This week on Chet Tammuz is the yard site of Rav Yaakov Yosef, who was the first person recognized as the chief rabbi of New York. My interest in the life of Rav Yaakov Yosef was sparked because of two reasons. One, in general, the history of New York and developing Yiddishkeit in a city when the influx of immigrants from Europe was very strong, and there was a general feeling that on one hand America was the golden Medina, the golden state, on the other hand it was known as the Trefa Medina. It was known as a place where everything was not in accordance with Jewish religion. Legend has it that many of the immigrants actually came and threw their tefillin overboard as they approached the Statue of Liberty. They somehow felt, they were told, that Yiddishkeit is no longer applicable in America, and the situation seemed very grave. Another reason that I was interested in the life of Rabbi Yaakov Yosef, the first chief rabbi of New York, is because eventually the school that was named for him Rabbi Jacob Joseph School, better known through, for many, many years as RJJ, was the yeshiva in which I learned for four years when I was in high school in New York. Rabbi Yaakov Yosef was born in Kovna and went to the traditional yeshivas of that time. He learned in Valozhin and he was a Talmud of the Nitziv. He later on continued and learned, became a disciple of Rabbi Yisrael Salante. On one hand, he was involved in the, the in Lundus environment of Alajan. On the other hand, he was also involved in the Musar movement founded by Rabbi Yisrael Salante. We know of his positions in various places in Europe. He was known as a Dayan, as a big Tamit Chacham, a person who could deal with the rabbinic courts, but he was especially known for his homiletical ability. Eventually, he wound up in Vilna, where he was a Dayan, a Rav, and again, known as a Darshan. Now, the interesting part of American history at that time was there were many, many shuls. There was a great a number, a great number of them were located in Manhattan and specifically in the Lower East Side. But there was no central authority of the rabbinate in New York, unlike the situation, for example, in England. In England, they had a concept of a chief rabbi. The shechita, the, the kashrus, was supervised by a concept of a chief rabbinate. Dayanim were appointed by the chief rabbinate. And this was something that a number of people in America and New York envied and felt it would be important to arrange for a chief rabbinate in Israel. One of the main organizers of this idea was a shul called the Besamedrish Hagadol of the Lower East Side. It was a very famous shul which existed for many years. I remember it from the time I was in high school. The base Medrash Hagadol, and they really wanted to establish a rabbinate, 
they actually looked for a suitable candidate and they offered the job to the famous Tamid Chacham, who is a scholar of Tanakh, the Malbim. While the negotiations were going on, the Malbim was Nifter, and they had to look for someone else. In 1887, when the rabbi of the Beis Hamedrash Rabbi Ash, was Nifter, they went to ask different people in Europe for their advice. They went to Gedolim and asked for their advice about whom they would choose, who they could choose to be the Rav Harashi, the Rav HaKolel it was called, of New York. And they hoped that one of these people whom they approached would himself be willing to take the position. A book uh, which was written about building Torah in America and many of the personalities in America was published by Art Scroll under the name Torah Personality. That book tells the story of these people that were asked, including Gedolim such as Rebel Yochayim, Meisels of Lodz, Rav Azriel of the Seimer, of course the great German scholar, Rav Chaim Berlin, the son of the Netziv, who became the chief rabbi of Moscow, Rav Yeshua Leib Diskin, the great Rav of Brisk, who eventually became the Rav of Yushalayim, and another one was Rav Yaakov Yosef. Now, except for his position in New York, Rav Yaakov Yosef did not have the fame, or at least in my world, I wasn't aware of Yaakov Yosef as I, as I was well aware of the other names that I mentioned. But apparently, if these are the eight people that were asked, or some of the eight people that were asked, apparently the level of people was considered very, very high. And these people were felt to be appropriate not only to give the advice, but to become the chief rabbi of New York. Rabbi Yaakov Yosef accepted the position, albeit with a heavy heart. As I said before, America was known to be a tray for Medina, and he knew that the position would be quite difficult. On the other hand, he was promised a good Parnassa, and in Europe the situation was such that Parnassa was very difficult. So because of this fact of life, he agreed to come to New York. The idea was to set up Bateidin, to set up a court system which would be under the auspices of the chief rabbinate. But specifically, he dealt and wanted to improve the situation of Kashrus in America. Instead of having various individuals in charge of a one butcher shop or another butcher shop, they wanted to arrange a central hechsher where Rabbi Yaakov Yosef would be in charge of the shochetim and control the shechita of the area. In fact, there were people who wanted to spread it to other areas as well. But in order to improve the standards, one of the facts of life is that this costs money, and you have to impose a tax or some sort of higher costs on people. He wanted to have what we call today, or once was called a plumba, which was a specific sign 
on every piece of meat, on every chicken, that it was found kosher according to the standards that he had set, they had to impose taxes on each and individual piece of food that they bought. He really wanted to do this not just for kashos of animals, but they tried to do it for matzahs for Pesach. This created a tremendous machlokas. The machlokas was fought by people who weren't interested in spending the money, by people who weren't interested in having a separate hashgacha, a, sep- a special hashgacha, one hashgacha for everybody. And eventually, it became not just a machlokas over the shechita, but other people fought for the title of being chief rabbi of New York, and some people even looked for the title of chief rabbi of the United States and Canada. Rabbi uh, Yaakov Yosef was involved in this machlokas when people tried to usurp his title. He was the first Rav HaKolel appointed in New York. But other people, as I said, tried to usurp the Kolel. And apparently Rabbi Yaakov Yosef did not fight them tooth and nail. He somehow felt that they also need Parnassah, tried to help them a little bit. This took a great toll on his personal health. In 1895, when he was only 51 years old, he became ill and was debilitated for a number of years. He did not have a parnasa. Eventually came a time when not only did he lose his position of Rava Kolil, but even the Hashgachas, which somehow supported him, were taken away from him when the butchers stopped paying him. And he really had no parnasa at all. He was Nifter in 1902. That means for seven years or so, he lingered in a state of illness. But he was Nifter, really penniless. Besides trying to establish the central authority of Rabbanut in New York, he was also involved in the world of Chinuch and tried to improve the Chinuch of, of especially his community. The yeshiva at that time that was founded was called Eitz Chaim in the Lower East Side. My father-in-law, Rabbi Yeshua David actually learned in that Pesmedrish called Eitz Chaim, which eventually became Yeshiva University, eventually moved up to Washington Heights and became known as Yeshiva Zerbitzel and became known as Yeshiva University. Rev. Yaakov Yosef's legacy in the world of Torah seems to be rather meager, there is a record of a sefer that he wrote of Drashos that he printed when he was about 40 years old. I assume that this sefer maybe could be found in the library someplace, but it's not a sefer that seems to be well known. But what he is most famous for, besides the effort in to establish a united Rabbonus, besides the effort to establish standards of kashus, which would be acceptable by all in New York, he founded a school that eventually became named, be, became known as that yeshiva, which I said I went to in high school, Yeshiva Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef. So the name Yaakov Yosef, the chief rabbi of, Yusha, of New York in the late 19th century, was, was known for many years as the yeshiva Rabbi Yaakov Yosef was one of the first yeshivas in New York and had 
a very good reputation for Limude Kodesh. The Ramim, the Rabbanim, that I remember coming from Europe mostly, coming from the Mir in Shanghai and other yeshivas to be in RJJ, were very famous Tamini Chachamim who had many, many students. I'd like to mention some of them that I knew personally. The Rosh Hashiva of Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef at that time was Rav Yehuda Leib HaKohen Kagan, a distant relative of the Chafetz Chaim, who was known as a great Tamid Chacham. His Svarim that were published were called Halichos Yehuda, where he has a, a, a halachic and an ashkafic discourse in every parish of the Torah. He was the Rosh Hashiva in the years that I was there. Other people included Rav Yitzchak Isaac Tendler, about whom I spoke in a different uh, broadcast, because he was my Rebbe once and had a lot of influence in spreading the love of Torah among all his students. Rav Zaydel Epstein, who later on went on Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, became the Mashgiach of the Yeshiva, known as Torah Or, was Nifter not so long ago, was one of the leading Rabbanim of this Yeshiva. Unfortunately, as the neighborhood changed, and the Lower East Side lost much of its Jewish flavor, lost much of its population. The yeshiva, Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef, which was known on Henry Street of Manhattan, has moved to Staten Island. The name of the yeshiva still continues. The reputation of that yeshiva still continues. In this way, the memory of Rabbi Yaakov Yosef is still remembered although the history that I've tried to portray today is not as well known as the name of the yeshiva which was named for him. His life represents the beginning or a type of beginning of a struggle in New York to build up Yiddishkeit. And it's really amazing to see what has happened from the beginning of the 20th century until today. At that time, it was unheard of that yeshivas could be spread all over, not only New York, but over the United States, day schools, yeshivas. All this was due to the efforts of those pioneers, to those people who were willing to come to America and try to build Yiddishkeit. In some cases, they were more successful, in others, they were not as successful. The case of Rabbi Yaakov Yosef, in one respect, is a failed endeavor. But nevertheless, the impressions that were left, the beginnings that were planted at that time, apparently have borne fruit many years later. And the Yiddishkeit that is enjoyed in America owes a great deal to those people who came in those years to actually build Yiddishkeit in America. It's a shame that the only reputation really that we have is that of the yeshiva because we also know that he was a Tamid Chacham and a great Magid. Yehei Zichro Baruch, his name should be remembered forever. Today, 
through the yeshiva which is in his name.